Uh, welcome to Eric Thurm Makes Merit K-Watch Anime. I am your co-host, fanbite secretary of anime, Eric Thurm. Ghetto. Uh, and uh, I'm your co-host, fanbite uh, editor of features and trending pieces, <clears throat> Merit K. Sorry, I am sick. <laughs> Ghetto. Kara. Um, yes, and uh, 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 because... Are you sick because of the show that we watched this week? I am sick and tired of... Uh, of these dang frogs. Of all these these little frogs. Oh no, I called him a frog. <laughs> cool. Wow, we're going to have a lot of fun with this one. Um, yeah, uh, to, to uh, jump into our flashback segment, uh, did you... I, got, I don't even remember what we watched last week. Last week we watched B Stars. B Stars, and I have not watched more B Stars, but I did watch more anime. Really? What What did you watch? Well, I rewatched something. Okay. What What was it? Um, I started rewatching part one of JoJo. Okay. Uh, I started like halfway through because the first three episodes, like nothing fucking happens. Um, Sorry, are you? You mean the first three episodes that include the the iconic uh, sexual assault? Sure. It's not as funny or memeable. If you also, call it the that. dog. Also, yeah. Oh, also a dog death. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> also very funny. All, and good. all the great stuff that happens in the first three episodes. All of all of Dio's early hits. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I started rewatching it, and God, there's some really funny stuff. Just like looking back at it now, like, okay, first of all, uh, do you know if I ask you what Young Zeppeli looks like? Can you picture that in your head? Because they do show it. Sort of. I want to show you a picture of Young Zeppelin. Okay. I don't like that. Is face. that his hat or I hair? To be fair, that maybe is just sort of an early iteration uh-huh. of Iraqi's like hair it, hat. Yeah, his, his like increasing inability to differentiate between hats and hair. Uh huh. Uh, yeah, it's a symptom of JoJo madness. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, look it up, everybody. Look up Young Will Zeppelin because my man is a You gotta weirdo. see it. Uh, I forgot that his dad is the first person to put on the mask. Mm-hmm. And then he, uh, his dad dies when the sun comes up and he's the only survivor. And like that's why he's like a weird like kung fu master who's trying to destroy vampires. Um, what else? Oh, when, uh, <laughs> when Zeppelin like, is introduced... The, the really cool stuff that he does to show that he's, like, a really powerful, cool guy. First of all, he, like, fixes Jonathan's arm, which, like, fine. I guess yeah. that's kind of cool. But then he's, like, doing this, like, huge charge up where he's, like, explaining, like, the power of the sun and everything. And uh, there's, like, a frog on, in front of him sitting on, like, a stone in the river. You gotta be careful about calling them frogs. <laughs> this is a real frog. Okay. Uh, and he's just, like, the power of the sun! And, like, uh, Arena and Jonathan are like, no, he's gonna kill that frog! And uh, he punches the frog, and it sort of, like, warps a little bit, but then the energy goes through it and breaks a small rock in half, and the frog is unharmed. And they're like, oh my god! So, like... Oh my god! The the power creep in that series. Like, it starts off with everyone being super impressed that this guy broke a rock without hurting a frog. Although, to be fair, I feel like there are not that many characters in later JoJo who would be capable of destroying the rock without killing the frog. I think... Yeah, maybe that's the ultimate test. Is, like, that you can sort of, like, protect things and not just sort of aura, aura, aura your way through the frog. 
Yeah, I think Giorno. I think just Well, Giorno just turns the frog into, you know. Giorno turns the rock into another frog. I yeah. fucking hate your stand. It's the worst. <laughs> um, they can't catch us if bullets are bees. Shut the fuck up, Giorno. Um, it is true. And then what else? Oh, Jack the Ripper is there. Sure. Uh, and Jack the Ripper's deal isn't that he's a vampire who is ki- doing lots of killing. It's that he was already Jack the Ripper and then Dio in like kind of a gnarled Palpatine state. And I forgot that he was like this briefly because uh-huh. like he, he gets severe burns, uh, terrible Ken burns. And uh, he's like being like carried around in like this cloak and his face is all fucked up and his voice sounds weird. And he's just like, Jack the Ripper. It was very few have humans. You, have you heard the tale of Darth Dio? Have you heard the tale of Darth Dio, the wise? Um, and, uh, yeah, Jack Harper has just finished killing someone, and Dio's like, Oh, humans are all shackled to morality, except you, Jack the Ripper. I will make you my soldier of the night. And he turns Jack the Ripper into a zombie, a vampire zombie. Sure. Or zombie vampire, I forget. And, uh... He's there. Uh-huh. Then he's there. Sure. And then uh, they have to fight him. And okay. that's kind of fun. Does I, I forget what exactly happens. Does uh, Speedwagon, like, throw his hat at him? No, Speedwagon does nothing. Speedwagon is already useless by this point <laughs> in part one. He is already afraid. Speedwagon only becomes useful once he acquires exorbitant amounts of money from oil. Yeah, once he becomes an oil, oil baron. baron. <laughs> and he can fund all this bullshit. Uh, uh, yeah, welcome to our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure podcast. I wonder how any of that sounded if we have, like, a listener who is not already familiar with JoJo. Listen, it's a show about two buff dads and their son who wanted to go sunbathing in, like, ancient Mesopotamia, and then, uh, you know, chaos ensues. Yeah, uh, uh, let us know who you would like us to make watch JoJo. That's a thing I'm really excited for in the sort of medium, medium term future of this podcast. Yeah. Just like really, although I think if we do that, we might honestly have to go beyond three episodes. Yeah. Or just like really, I don't know, make someone watch the first three episodes of like every single part of JoJo. That's rough. Like what is happening here? Who are these people now? Uh, why are they doing this dance while lighting this man's eye on fire? Uh, no, that's episode seven. Uh, so basically the takeaway from this is that you have not watched any of the sort of mini delightful anime franchises I've attempted to, to introduce you to over the course of the last few weeks. That's what I'm getting. Yeah. See, part of the problem is I don't think there's a Crunchyroll app for the Switch. Mm. And, like, most of the TV watching that I'm doing lately is, like, on my Switch in my room. Because um, I don't like sitting at my computer, like, watching TV or whatever. And, like, my laptop is so shitty that I don't like moving it around or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've got to... There's got to be a better way. There has to be. You know? Crunchyroll. Get on that. We need this. I'll, uh... Yeah, no, I'll figure something out because I definitely want to watch the rest of this week's show oh yeah wow great love that love this segue. way mm-hmm. uh yeah this week we are talking about uh the 2019 series sarazanmai um this almost feels like a weird question to ask in the context of this show but like what did you know about it going in and like what if anything did you know about uh kunihiko ikuhara's just like deal so i I actually knew the basic premise of this show because, again, 
I had edited a piece about it for Fanbyte. So I was aware of the general contours. And um, in terms of like Ikuhara, I... Well, when you say the general contours, I, I mean you should be more show specific. about turtle boys who go in butts. Okay. And there's otters. And it's gay. Like that's sort of sure. basically the highlights. Um, <clears throat> and then in terms of Ikuhara, I've seen like the first half of Utana, I think uh, that was like, God, six years ago, maybe. Uh, so that was a long ass time ago. And then I think that's it. I haven't seen any of his other stuff. I know his rap. Like I know his whole deal is that he just like draws words out of a like one of those, you know, they're on ping pong balls and they're like in a big like garbage bag. And uh-huh. it's just like a uh, turtle, but gay, except one of them is always gay. Yeah. That's just sort of like fixed. We, we'll we we'll get into that uh, about sort of the whole way that he constructs these premises. Um, I'm excited to talk about this. I really love Ikuhara. I think that he is one of, I think, a relatively rare uh, number of directors who you, like, genuinely, I think, could describe as a, like, singular anime artist in the TV format, especially. Because mm. uh, he, he just, like, keeps making his own original shit in increasingly weird ways. Mm-hmm. It's funny, like, and maybe we'll get into this later. I feel like Sarazanmai actually is, like, maybe the least convoluted Ikuhara show. And that is saying a lot, I think, given that by the end of the third episode, you had, I would say, relatively little. I mean, uh, no, I know what's going on. Okay. I just... Well, there are some things, like, that I was like, what's going on with this? And you're like, just listen to the song. And then I listened to the song and was like, that explained nothing. I know <laughs> less than I did before about what's happening. But like, no, the basic formula, yeah. it's like a very, in a weird sense, a very formulaic show. Yes. Not in like a bad sense, just that it uses that like, oh, this week the monster is this. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have to do our transformation scene and then we have to sing a song and then we have to do the thing. And it's like very like repetitive in, yes. again not a bad way no and that's like a huge ikuhara thing that that maybe we'll talk about in a second right. once we've introduced the show power scene and everything yeah he he really i think does a lot of work with these repetitive sequences that happen like over and over again often in like very slightly different ways mm-hmm. um that let his work just be i think you know, both, like, meditations on whatever, like, theme he is exploring in a particular show, but also in a way that I think is, like, almost the equivalent of, you know how, like, this is a bad metaphor, but we're diving in. Okay. Uh, You know how diamonds are formed by just, like, pressing coal for a really long time? And they're unbreakable? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, yes. Uh, they are They are crazy and unbreakable. Um... It feels often to me like Ikuhara will pick these objects or scenes and then in the course of doing all of these repetitive returns to the object or return to the scene, it's like engaging in that form of metaphorical compression Mm -hmm. such that the object becomes like 
incredibly meaningful in a way that obviously you could get in like a lot of other forms of storytelling because it just like is a motif yeah. or something, but that that feels almost like totemic uh, in a way that I love and like really get down on whether it's like if you've seen Revolutionary Girl Lutana, you know, this happens, right? Like you said, with the tower scene uh, with like cars uh in in uh in this there's like the kappa transformation sequence the battle sequence uh the like cop song uh and all of these things just like happen again and again in in ways that i think are initially kind of withholding but that really let you i think read what you want to read into them in a way that i really enjoy Mm -hmm. um but before I, I talk more about uh, uh, how much Ikuhara whips ass, uh, should we introduce the show? Yeah, do your best. I'll tr- okay, great. I'm curious to see. I'm, we'll see. I'm going to explain the premise of this show in a couple sentences. Created by Kunihiku Ikuhara and produced by Mappa and Lappin Track, Sarazanmai aired on Fuji TV from April to June of 2019. The series follows three boys, Kazuki, a skilled soccer player who has a complicated relationship with his younger brother Haruka, Enta, a dork and not as talented soccer player infatuated with Kazuki, and Toi, a mysterious transfer student tied up with the Yakuza. When Kazuki and Toi destroy a statue, they awaken Kepi, the prince of the Kappas, uh, a type of yokai or Japanese spirit, similar in appearance to frogs, but who you should not call frogs, because if you do... Uh, Kepi will do the thing he does to the boys. He extracts their shirakodama, which is an organ inside of your butt that contains your desires, uh, and presses them into service as kappas, defeating zombies, humans who have become consumed with their desire to the point where it affects the rest of the world. Uh, And those zombies are created by Mabu and Ryo, gay policemen working for an evil empire of otters. Would you say that's sort of the base premise of the show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's... Pretty straightforward, I would say. (laughs) So important context here is that most of this stuff is not made up. I mean, it's made up in that it doesn't... There's no thing inside your butt that actually is that, but like... Well... Well... There actually is. I like did a little bit of research on this. There apparently is like some question about like whether or not Kappa myths like are directly related to... Uh, like early like whatever scientists like discovering the prostate wow i know um i'm so sorry but what i was saying was that yeah like these this is a thing like this is like a myth that he's using like he didn't make up the whole like like butt kappa thing no he just like really is getting down on it yeah like he wasn't just like what if this like he wasn't just like uh, what if there's like a, a little ball inside your butt and like some frog people have to go in and get it to make you stop being evil? Um, no, that's a thing that in myth exists. Kappas are, are very... so. I, I, Kappas I, are everywhere. Yeah, I, I have a little... I have like a couple different things I've done some research on See, more more than usual. I, I knew about Kappa before i heard about the show i knew because, they were but i didn't know about yeah, the butts i didn't know about the butt thing because that isn't strangely that aspect of them is not emphasized in series like pokemon sure um i'm pretty sure golduck is supposed to be a kappa oh that makes sense yeah they're like weird little duck frog people yeah yeah with uh 
uh, water uh, rain dishes on their heads. Yeah. And they collect rain. Lotad, also kind of like that. Kind of, yeah. But then what? it just turns into like a totally different dude. Into it, just like fucking like Jimmy Buffett, like uh-huh. just vibing at the Pokemon bar. Yeah. Great Pokemon. Uh, yes. Yeah, Kappas uh, uh, historically are like depicted as being sort of like sexually aggressive. Like they 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 don't actually in this show, but but in normal Kappa lore, they eat the Shirakodama. It's well, like, that happens in this show. Yeah, but he eats. Kepi does it. I guess he eats them, but he doesn't. The depiction of him eating them is not in a like digestive capacity because at least the way that it's translated whenever he eats the Shirokodama is like desire assimilated. Uh-huh. And at least for me and like, you, I think you're right, but like, I don't read it as him like eating it because it's tasty. I, I read it as like being in the service of some sort of like broader okay. Kappa project. Uh, but they do eat the Shirokodama, um, and, uh, the plate on top of the Kappa's head, this is important, is called a Sara. Oh. Yeah. That's the name of the show. That's almost the name of the show. Uh, and it is typically filled with water, and often stories about Kappas, uh, will involve someone tricking the Kappa by, like, bowing to them out of respect. And if the Kappa bows back to you, the water will fall out of its head. <laughs> and it won't be Idiot. able to, yes, and it won't be able to move, which is very funny. I love a good story like that. A good folkloric own. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, and actually the Kappas, uh, were the first, like, thing that he wanted to do. So a lot of the research from this is gonna is coming from a long series of Anime News Network articles. Shouts to Anime News Network. Um, and one of them uh, is like someone reporting from a like museum exhibition or like a gallery exhibition of Ikuhara's sort of like notes and a lot of stuff related to his career. And he actually had notes going back quite a while about wanting to do something about Kappas. Although, and this is one of my favorite things that I, I learned and somehow didn't know, when he pitched the show, there was nothing about butts in it at all. Amazing. So he like went in and was like, hey guys, I want to make a show about Kappas. I think it's going to be really interesting. It's about like technology and like the digital world, man, and how we just like have a difficult time connecting. And then when everyone got in the studio, he was like, all right, we're going to fucking reach into these butts. And and he he gives he gave this interview in which he's just like, yeah, I thought people would be freaked out by it. But everyone was just like, OK, it's like, well, that's what they do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, specifically the people, like, the creative collaborators, right, where he just came in and was like, this is how we're doing this. Like, we're going to do all these, like, dr- you know, scenes of butt stuff happening. And all the directors and, like, animators and stuff were like, word. Uh, and, like, I think that's great. Although it also is very funny to me that he feels he had to do that. I mean, I understand why, because it's I think it's hard to get anything original made like that. Um but it is extremely funny that he would, like, go into the pitch meeting and be like, okay, there's an extremely weird sexual component of this, but I can't tell anybody because 
they are clearly they no one will suspect me Kara <laughs> of trying to sneak some kind of strange yeah. sexual component to my television <laughs> me, show. Me, me, the man who most recently made a show called Lesbian Bear Storm. This one is normal, I promise. <laughs> He's been doing this like every time. He just keeps like and like the execs just keeping like, well he couldn't do it again. Yeah, just, like, there's no way he could do it again. He's he's holding a football, but the football yeah. just like looks like a fucking like gelatinous ass. No, it's just like a normal anime show. The football. It's like a serious normal anime show with no butts. Yeah, and they're... the execs are like, oh yeah. Yeah, give us that. <laughs> he he's coasting on so so actually I have some like history stuff I want to do talk about Ikuhara. Uh because his first big anime industry job is working as a director on Sailor Moon. Mm. Um he did for like a whole season and and was I think like relatively in demand and like acclaimed at it uh and he spent like a lot of the time while he was apparently as soon as he got hired as an assistant like when he graduated from school at like 22 uh in like the mid 80s he immediately starts pitching original anime and everyone else in the studio is like what (laughs) yeah and he he consistently does this uh and eventually leaves sailor moon and a few years later makes uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena, uh, a show that I suspect a decent number of our listeners are familiar with, but that if you have not seen, contains a lot of stuff uh, that is like a very classic Yukuhara, all of these sort of repetitive, like shadow puppet and like stagey scenes. Uh, it's very gay, uh, a lot of sort of very elliptical exploration of gender. Pretty good show. Um, and then after that, he took a 10-year break. From, wow. Yeah. And I, I tried to find what he was doing, and I don't really know. He did move to L.A. for a year. And, like, it's extremely funny to me to imagine that he, like, had a meeting with some, like, t- like you know, studio executive who was like, Listen. Listen, Ikuhara-san. We got, we're going to make a great live-action Utena movie. It's going to be incredible. It's 2001, so, like, maybe Lindsay Lohan's going to be oh in it. I don't God. really know who's famous at the time. Uh, I don't know if that's what happened. I would like to imagine that's what happened, and he just spent a year being like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this place? I want to make a TV show about that. Yeah, exactly. That's, like, about... I want to Iku- make a TV show just about Ikuhara's year in L.A. Just, like, being incredibly confused and, like, damn, like, this sucks. Uh, but he did, he came back and, and went through a couple different uh, rounds of concepts and made uh, Mawaru Penguin Drum, uh, which is about, like, family structures and also the Tokyo uh, Sarin gas subway attack. And then he made Lesbian Bear Storm, uh, and we're sort of just, you know, continuing to to keep going. Uh, I, I want to read, before we, we move on from, like, Ikuhara background... I want to read the quote that he says about uh, making original anime. He said, when you make an original anime, you may come up with some really out there ideas, but the pitch may not get through. That's why you put in the really wacky stuff after it's already been approved. (laughs) (laughs) He admitted. Um, Yeah. So let's let's, I guess, move confidently into a. Sarazan Mai. What? 
I don't know if you heard that, but just like a box just fell over. This is great. I'm actually using that. We're going to segue with boxes. it. Boxes. Yes, we're going to talk about the boxes. This is great. I didn't know where we were going, but mm-hmm. now we're going to talk about the boxes. Yep. So uh, one of the things that is like a big motif in Sars on my are these boxes uh, made by a company called Capazon. Dot co dot jp. Jesus. Uh, and... Uh, every character, or like at least the three main characters, all have boxes that they carry around uh, that contain basically their secrets. Um, and that's like a recurring motif in Ikukara's work that like things get put into boxes as ways of like ignoring them, or of like killing them, or of, of sort of like repressing them. Um, and in the first episode, the uh, Kappa Zombie, his like obsession is about boxes. And so you get the scene of, like, all the Capazon boxes just, like, sort of floating through the air. Because that's what happens every time uh, the otters create a Kappa zombie. And I don't know. I, I like, wh- what did you think about that? Because it definitely, like, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, cool. There's going to be some shit about Jeff Bezos in here. And it doesn't quite get there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was like, wait, I didn't know about this whole Amazon angle. And uh, <sighs> it isn't really much of an angle, really. It's there, but it's just like some kind of weird motif throughout the whole world. Yeah. Like I, all the signs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do think that like a lot of that stuff is about, you know, like one of the themes of the show is about being connected in, in, in the digital era. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like there is something to be said for thinking about Amazon as a way of sort of like immediately fulfilling uh, your like sort of passing desires in mm-hmm. a way that makes it harder to connect with other people. Yeah. That it, it sort of like undergirds a lot of what's going on. Um, but yeah, it, it, it like, is this, maybe we, should we introduce the boys by talking about what they have in their boxes? Which, um, which one of the boys do you want to talk about first? Should we talk about the boy? Are we talking about the boys now? Let's start with, I mean, talk about them in the order they're introduced. Okay. So Kazuki is sort of originally, uh, uh, seems like the main boy. Mm-hmm. He looks like sort of normal anime boy. Would he's you like say that's normal anime just sort of like a normal he's like anime, a normal boy. anime protagonist? Uh, he's really good at soccer, but he is quitting the team. He used to be the golden duo with Enta, and he sort of is pulling away from that friendship. Um, and, uh, what's in the box? What's in the box? Mm-hmm. What's in the box? Uh, what's in the box? He, he, in the box, he has a, a costume that he wears to dress up as, uh, Sara Azuma, uh, who is an idol who hosts, like, this constant news show that is one of the other sort of motifs, uh, in the Sars on My World, uh, which he is doing in order to pretend to be this idol uh, because his brother is, like, really into her and he takes selfies in costume and sends them to his brother. Yeah, because she has a thing of, like, oh, here's today's lucky selfie item. Like, a cat or, like, a fish or, like, whatever. And so, like, he has to go find the thing. Your social security number. (laughs) (laughs) Your mother's maiden name. Um... Yeah, and um, so he's, like, going to try and take pictures of these things in this costume to make his brother happy, who, like, his brother is just, like, this, like, nine-year-old, like, I 
it's just I don't know this little gremlin not a gremlin like a just like this impossibly like tiny cute anime child who's just like I love why I love idols I love my brother I love my brother and cats um also I definitely thought his brother was a girl yeah um I think that's intentional it's like Haruka yeah isn't that a girl's name uh I don't know okay but sort of at the very least, like the way that his hair is done, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, I think that's very intentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I don't like, so, so they like get more into it later on. I'm like, what, what sort of is your impression three episodes in of like Kazuki as a character and like what his deal is? Because it's very weird at first and it gets weirder in a way that I think you would not expect. His deal is very strange because like, like, the characters around him really seem to just be like, oh, I like you. I want to like hang out with you and spend time with you and stuff. You're really cool. And he's just like, instead of doing that, I will engage with people in this like highly manufactured, like uh, distanced kind of like carefully framed way, which honestly I can't relate to at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone online can possibly relate to that. Um, No, but I can't at all. Yeah, just like staging these like elaborate schemes. No, to uh, to to be in contact with other people. Mm-hmm. Nope, could it be me? No, no. Uh, so it's like kind of interesting. It feels a little contrived at first, mm-hmm. um, but I think as the show goes on, you're like, oh no, this universe is just like bizarre. Yeah, I just like that. That's a, that's part of this. That's normal. Um, although it's also not normal because like people. That's like his big secret at first. Yes. Um, and we don't get, we haven't gotten into that yet about like the secret revealing part. No. Do we maybe, I guess we can talk about that now and then yeah. we can like incorporate it we'll into the other, about the other characters. Yeah. So basically uh, the flow of the episodes is like the otters who are these two gay cops while well, they're working for the otter empire. Yes. Uh, like find some target who has some weird obsession and then kill them and turn them into uh, a kappa zombie. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're kappa zombies, not otter zombies. But you learn that later on. Okay, cool. Uh, and basically, these are just these huge monsters that are like obsessed with like they have like no persona or anything. They're just like obsessed with the thing that the person was obsessed with. Um, and so, in the first episode, it's some guy who his obsession is like being naked and laying with his head in a box, which is like a very weirdly specific thing. Um, Definitely not a thing that anybody involved in the creation of Sarazan Mai is actually no, into. Yeah, no. Absolutely not. We are absolutely not insinuating someone, that like, at all. Someone like told Ikuhara that when they were like out for drinks. And in LA. <laughs> in LA and someone like admitted that to him in confidence and he was like, interesting. And then they came into work the next day and were like, and he's like, so the villain for the first episode is a man who loves sleeping naked in boxes. And they're just like, Dude, come on! Come on! Come on! Uh, he's like, you should have like, told me about your fetish. And dog. he's like, don't worry, I'm gonna get the guy who told me that he he's like like uh, shaving cats to put cat fur on him to turn himself into a cat next. So like, everyone's getting it here. Um, so yeah, they become these big monsters who then like are like stealing all of the objects that they're obsessed with. Um, they like those things float into the air and uh, like they like collect around them and people can't see 
the Kappa zombies or anything. So no. it just looks like these objects are being like floating up into the air and being taken away. Uh, then the boys have to become Kappas by uh, being eaten mm-hmm. slash reverse eaten. Sure. I'm trying to actually think about it now. And like, it's very confusing because. Let's, ca- let's dive into the, the ca- vor let's logistics. Let's dive into <laughs> it. I think that's a good phrase. Sure. Kappa, uh, Kepi, let's dig in. I think Kepi launches himself. And the first time this happens is because someone. They both call him, him a frog. They call him a frog. And he, he just hates that. And so he does this thing where he like starts running on the spot and then launches himself into their butts. But then it's like. Then he is like eating them. So the physics of that are a little unclear. It's kind of like a weird Mobius strip thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and insides and outsides he, he, are... Because he sort of becomes their, like, armor for a little bit. Right. Also, or he's, like, He's, like, this big them. buff guy. And then, yeah. It's, like, this weird inversion of, like, insides and outsides that is very, you know, symbolically laden, for sure. Uh, and then they turn into Kappas, and they have to save the day by defeating this... Kappa zombie. Which they do by extracting Which its Shirokodama. They do it by extracting its Shirokodama, and then it explodes. And singing. And then, yeah, they always sing a song, which is very good. Um, <laughs> On the And it's always, it's like, there are a couple of other motifs that I think are like, I think at least important to note. One, that uh, the Kappa zombies are always drawn with this sort of like, I don't even know how to describe the effect. It's just like a, it's like one, it's like the object and then just like weird flowy like darkness dark, yeah, colors, blue dark like body. Yeah. Um, and also that when they try to sort of like attack the Kappa zombie, at least in the first couple episodes, it always is depicted as the three of them basically spinning around really fast. They and turn into a, a Beyblade. Yes, and creating a shield uh, because the thing tries to like hit them. It tries to hit them and stop them, and it's very like, you know. Um, the same kind of scene like happens over and over on this bridge. Yeah. On this bridge. And then they get around it. It's like very video gamey almost because like, it's like a boss battle. Like they get over it and then pull it's Shirokodama out. But then it's like melting. You've pulled out Bowser, Shirokodama. Oh my God. So long gay Bowser. Uh, it explodes into water because water is like a big motif as well. And uh, then they have to get it to Kepi so that he can chomp it down. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they turn back into themselves. By doing the, the Sarazanmai. By doing the Sarazanmai, which is like, they, like, link together. But then there's like, like, psychic leakage between them. And it says like, leak on screen. And it's basically like, they see each other's like, memories and secrets and stuff. And so like, someone's secret is always revealed to the other two. And in this really fun visual way where it will show, like, flashbacks or other scenes with the sort of, like, silhouette of the person whose secret is leaking, like, overlaid in red. And just being like, don't look at this! Don't look at me! Um, And the first episode, the first episode of The Secret is the... It's the it's the costume. It's the yeah. costume, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the costume which is combined because you also see, I believe, the Toei... You see him, like, using his knife slash ruler to bust ruler. open a car. Right. So do we want to talk about Toei? Sure. Um, Toei is, uh, well, so uh, maybe you should say how you described Toei the first time we saw him. 
How did I? You were like, oh, that's a cool guy. That's a oh, cool guy. It's a cool anime guy. He has hair down over one of his eyes. He has like kind of what looks like eyeliner on, or he's just very tired. Like it's just that, it's, yeah. that look. He has like some cool freckles and stuff. And he carries around like a ruler with like a taped up end so you can wield it like a sword. But he like must have like a sheath or something on his back because he just constantly just pulls it out from there. And is just like, I'm going to fucking kill someone. Uh, and has a brother who is an anime bastard. Yes. In the Yakuza. I kind of guessed at his whole deal pretty quickly. Um, I'm not going to brag at all. But uh, I, I did I did sort of. I, um, yeah, I sort of know a thing or two about, <laughs> about the genre, about, about anime. Um, and yeah, he's breaking into a car when he is first introduced. He does quite a few crimes in these first few episodes. He does. Should we talk about Tony's crimes? Yeah. So in addition to the car stuff, he also helps his brother waterboard a dude. Oh, yeah. Um, That's rough. Yeah, it's like pretty rough. That's like the second thing he does in the first yeah. episode. Just and like some light waterboarding. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that that dude, I believe that dude uh, winds up dead. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they do they do not specify who killed him, uh, but he did sort of participate in this interrogation. Extrajudicial. Yeah. Murder. Where is it? Where's the Shikodama? It's all in the ass. Oh my god. Uh, that's right. Uh, very heavily influenced by the works of Christopher Nolan. Uh, but he does that, and then should we talk about the other crime that he the the fun crime that he does? I think that was maybe both of our favorite crimes. Oh, when he's doing weed? Yeah, when he's doing weed. This is the first time I think I've ever actually seen weed in an anime. Like, I've seen characters, like, smoke weed. Like, in Lupin, there's that shot of them all, like, smoking weed, and there's, like, that really gifable shot of, um, what's her name? Just, like... A Fujiko. Just, like, the, yeah. honking on a bong. Just, sure. like, real hard. But, uh, there's just actual weed. Like, there's a the, grow-up. The, the herb. The sticky... The, there's the, good, the kind that bud. The good good, that kind kush... That 420 blaze it, um, that endo, literally endo. The endo. Uh, <laughs> like, you just see him, and it's just like, he's like, oh, you're just in a grow up, like, uh, in your basement now. That's cool. And he's just, like, packaging weed into, like, like bags of, like, cat treats as, like, to Yeah, it's, it looks like they're, like, like, Benito. It's like a fish thing. Yeah. And uh, this fucking Garfield shows up. Yeah, this cat, I think, undeniably it's Garfield. is Garfield. Like, listen, guys, we have a lot of fun on this show, but that's a Garfield. <laughs> it's Garfield. It is like an orange cat that has brown stripes. It's like a fat like orange fed, cat like, that's rah, very rah, rah. lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that cat is, like, important in another way, which is that uh, Kazuki stole this fucking cat. Yes, he also does crimes. He also did a crime. He stole this cat. It's not a neighborhood cat. He stole it from... Well, it is now. It is now. He made it a neighborhood cat. He, like, made this cat homeless to, like, please his brother. Which, okay, also, I feel like if you're gonna do that, why don't you just give your brother the cat? Right? Maybe they're not allowed to have cats. Maybe. It's like, hey, I found this cat. Maybe they're, like preternaturally young parents won't let them have cats. Yeah, that's another thing. They're, They're like parents. 20-year-old parents. Oof. Like, they had them when they were in high school or it something. It looks super weird. Uh, Thankfully, I do not think their parents are particularly important. No. So, yeah, this cat fucking eats the weed, which yeah. is just like, we were like, I was screaming and hollering. You, you were hooting and hollering. Especially because 
Mona has been eating weed recently. I'll just say that we were holding uh, a plant for someone and uh, my cat was eating it. And uh, I noticed this after she had eaten a considerable amount of it because I just saw these like half eaten leaves on it. And uh, then just like tried to chase her away and she just like ran and just like flopped on the carpet and just like looked like, yeah, it's <laughs> like, Dude, you can't. This isn't, you can't do this. She did, though. That's what catnip is for. You can't have that. Um, this is a human drug that humans need in order to dull the pain of their existence. She's like, I learned it from watching you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this cat fucking eats the weed. And I was just like, yeah, man, fucking go, Garfield, do it. And uh, then what's his name is like, I'm going to kill that cat. Uh, Toy, yes. Toy is like, I'm going to cut that cat open and get my weed back. And it's like, my dude, you have like a lot of weed. Like, right, that's the that's thing. the thing. You have a lot a of whole weed. Thing of like, weed. That's like what twenty dollars worth of weed at most. No, it's a probably a little bit more than that. I think like fifty bucks, maybe. maybe. Maybe his brother will like beat him if you like the quota isn't met or something. That's possible. It's possible. Um, She's like, I listen. I gotta fucking buy this like, cat. What is your get plan the... here to just like make the cat throw it up or just like cut open? He, he says he's gonna. He says, he's he gonna says he will cut open the cat, which is fucked up. Um, and there's a whole great chase scene where uh, he and Kazuki are chasing the cat through. Well, they're chasing the cat through the town. The town, but then they get to like this amusement park that's like ninja themed, but also bee themed. Sure. Is this like a pun or something that I'm I honestly to? don't know. I, I did not have time to okay. look that one up. Um, and they're like, oh, well, I guess we'll chase it tomorrow when definitely it will have digested and already like shit out the weed but uh then like some guy at the theme park is like oh like come in lovely couple because kazuki is dressed as the idol and then they get dressed in these like ninja bee costumes and have to hold hands while they're like chasing garfield so that happened it's a really good like montage of them on all the rides going on rides yeah like Garfield and the cat's like you know the cat's like, just like sleeping like on a fucking roller coaster and it, it like walks along the sort of like monorail line really really good and then when um when Kepi shows up with uh Enta. with Enta and they're dressed as like a couple very good yeah with Kepi on stilts although can people see Kepi I really feel like it does not It doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. Yeah. I think people can maybe see Kepi. I think it depends. He wants to be seen. Yeah. If if Kepi wants to go through the terrible ordeal of being known. <sighs> I want to connect, but I don't <laughs> want the terrifying ordeal of being known. That was that was like your first reaction, I think. That's this what show. this show is about. Yes. This show is literally about wanting the rewards of being loved without the mortifying ordeal of being known. Uh, and guess what? You can't fucking do it, you man. Can't. You can't. That's what the show's about. Ikuhara takes like extremely long drag on joint. <sighs> can't do it, man. <sighs> Try that shit. So yeah, that's basically the formula of like the first three episodes of like. Well, we we didn't even talk about the third boy. Oh yeah, no, yeah, we didn't. Um, Enta is the nerd linger of the three of them. Yes, he's like the nerd anime child with big glasses. And, um... Sort of slightly floofier hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh... People hate this character. Really? Yeah. Why? You'll see as you go further along. Um, He's, like, but kind of a piece of shit. Um, I mean, they're all pieces of shit. Yeah, that sucks. 
I mean, because he's sympathetic in the first three episodes. Well, he's, I mean, they're, they're, I think they're all sympathetic, but also pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Is like sort of the, the point of the, I the see. characters. But that he, like, you get this sense in the first episode, and then by episode two, it's like very, very obvious, right? That he is like, he has like a crush on Kazuki and is like mm-hmm. trying to deal with it and like doesn't know how. Um, and is just like very sort of like jealous and possessive. And, and in episode three, I believe spends a lot of time talking about how like Toei sucks. And he's like, cause like you shouldn't hang out with him. Cause he does crime. Well, also it. because he had a gun, like the other boxes. That's true. And Toei had, like, Oh yeah. We, we forgot to say what was in his box. Had a fucking gun. Yeah. Um, which is like a pretty good reason not to hang out with like an anime teen. Like you shouldn't have a gun. I'm sorry. Uh, he's just like a cool boy. He's a cool boyfriend. He's, he'll, he'll protect you. I mean, unless you eat his weed, then he'll fucking cut you open. Yeah, Kazuki, don't eat his weed. Don't eat his weed. That's true. But it is like, because because Endo says a lot in those episodes, he's like, you're nothing like, you know, Toei, you're nothing like Kazuki. Like, you're just shit. And actually, like, as we see, Kazuki and Toei are very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously not in like the identical scope of their actions, but in that they both do a lot of fucked up shit specifically because of their weird relationships with their brothers, mm-hmm. um, which Enta does not have. Enta has right. a sister so who runs the local Pokemon gym. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. This fucking Pokemon gym ass, like the second gym leader ass vibe of this character. Um, but yeah, no, Kuji and... Also, we've been calling him Toei. Toei, yeah. But, I mean, we like the show calls him Kuji. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is like, I mean, they're both his name. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I see most people calling him Toei, but... Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I I, I think that's because it's his last name. Yeah. And the, the other characters are not on it, like, as yeah, informal yeah, yeah. a basis with him. Right. But yeah, he's he is Toei. Uh, yeah, but, but, uh, yeah, what's in Enta's box? I was about to do the what's in the box thing again. You can, I mean, you we've already it. done it. Um, okay, but that's very Ikukara. We have to sort of return to the same segments true. over and over again. His box is, what is it called? It's like a soccer Michanga, I don't know. Michanga, it's, it's like a little soccer bracelet that you wear on your ankle. Yeah. I guess. And it's... It's like a good luck charm, kind I, of. It's like a replacement for Kazuki's that he threw out when he quit soccer. And it's like a... Yeah, it's, you know, symbolism. Like... Um, it's a promise ring. It's a promise ring, yeah. Uh, and he's just, like, wants to give it to Kazuki to be like, hey, you need to play soccer again. And also, like, so be we could, my boyfriend. Yeah, so we could be the golden duo. Um, Golden duo! Okay. Golden God. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Kind of almost something. Not really. Oh, I, see. I, I thought for a second you were doing like a golden wind. Oh, I see. No, I was doing Always Sunny. Gotcha. Very similar shows. Very similar. Very similar. <laughs> um, and yeah, they get their boxes mixed up. And so he just finds this fucking gun. He's <laughs> like, nice. He's like, oh, nice. Like, I got a gun now. Um, and there's like multiple like fantasy scenes in the third episode, which is the first one that isn't Kotsky focused. It's more like Enta. And uh, there are multiple scenes where he, like, fantasizes about Kazuki being like, I decided to do soccer again, and I'm, and I love you, and everything's great. And uh, then it just turns out to be, like... So cruel. To be, like, his sister, or, like, Kepi, 
Uh, he like, kisses Kepi at the end, and uh, it's rough. It's it's rough. Yeah. Um, the weirdest thing about that episode, I think, is that when the leakage happens, Kazuki like does not respond. Yeah. Really. Well, because there's like a whole fake out sequence, which is really obvious. Because like Kazuki is dressed in this like different way in all the the fantasy sequences. He has a, he has a specific outfit on. Yeah, it's like the soccer yeah. look or whatever. Um, the fake out sequence at the end of that episode is like him being like, oh, I know. And like, I love you too. Yeah, let's be together forever. And then it turns out that he's just like imagining it and it's Kepi. But like, then Kazuki like doesn't react to that at all. Like, they're just like, oh, why are you throwing up? Because you kissed Kepi. Like, so that's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So those are the boys. Are there are there other sort of characters, events, or like motifs that we want to sort of dig in on? It feels almost I mean, besides the point to talk about the episodes individually. Yeah, I feel like we already did. The episodes are so like, just like yeah, like I, it does remind me of Sailor Moon in a lot of yeah. ways. Of like, there's like some interpersonal problem, and then there's like some monster that shows up, and. It's almost just like they they took all of the like, because I feel like in a lot of those shows, the solving the problem, the interpersonal problem is intertwined with the solving the monster problem. But like, it's kind of complicated um, or they have to find some narrative way to make that work. Whereas in this, it's just like, no, as a part of solving the monster, this the interpersonal problems will get worse. We'll get will like just be revealed by like the mechanics of the action, and it's just like oh, you just stripped this whole thing down to its basics, which is really cool. This is this is God, and I I was really hoping I wasn't going to go here. Mm-hmm. This is an anime about affect theory in a lot of ways. Like now, I'm, for those of our listeners and hosts who aren't who fucking are nerds, unfamiliar with this theory, as I as I am scaring the hosts, yeah. the proverbial hosts. Uh, okay, so basically, specifically, I think this is a show that I'm sure someone has written a PhD thesis about Eve Sedgwick and this show. Okay. Uh, Eve Sedgwick uh, was a, like, queer theorist and I, uh, academic who does a lot of, like, her first book is about uh, the way that men use, like, basically competing over women as ways to triangulate their, like, homosocial relationships. They construct elaborate rituals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, such as becoming frogs. I see. Uh, uh, but also, just, like, she does a lot of textual analysis, including this one infamous essay that I believe is about Henry James, in which she spends a lot of time talking about uh, fisting as a metaphor for like textual reading, right? Of like reaching into someone's ass, uh, and also that that's it, a reach. No, well, <laughs> sorry, say say more. Oh, I just feel like you know that's a bit of a reach. Nice, I see. I see what you did there. A bit of a Halo reach. Got it. Nice. That's my my favorite Halo game. Uh, but but that that. There's like that, and also sort of my favorite work of hers is this essay uh, called You're So Paranoid, You Probably Think This Essay Is About You, that's about um, different ways of reading and like thinking about the world. And the thing that she talks about a lot in the way that she describes paranoid reading is that it is about, it's focused on exposure, and the idea is that if, uh, 
you know, this like fact about the world that is really important to you and that structures your paranoid view of things becomes apparent to other people, they will be obligated in some capacity to respond the way that you want them to, right? That if we knew the details of the conspiracy, we would be motivated to action. Mm. Um, Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of that in conversation with the way uh, that Sarazanmai thinks about exposure of, like, desires and, you know, particularly queer desires and, like, all this other shit. Um, God. This Enta's gonna post about all this on his Tumblr later. Enta definitely has, like, a oh fucking sad-ass Tumblr. Uh, and, and also, and the, the reason I was, I've been thinking about this is because another theme of the show that Ikuhara talks about in a different interview is about the future being bad, potentially. Mm. Like, he did this interview where he says, you know, the future is always, and I'm paraphrasing him here, but is a commodity that is like, oh, there's, like, a bright future. Like, the future is going to be great. Like, we're working toward this, like, incredible... We've got high, high hopes. Yes. The podcast is canceled. I mean, honestly... He was. He warned us. Mm-hmm. Ikuhara warned us about. He tried to tell us about the rat. He tried man. to warn us about the stairs, man. Uh, but that that you know, and and that's a, a theme that comes up in a lot of anime too, right? People being like, "Oh, it's like our bright future. Like we're all sort of trying to." And, and it's like this thing that stands in for fulfilling your desires and getting what you want. And he says in the interview, like, it is not. It do not necessarily be like that. Um. And a lot of, I think, what the show is doing is thinking about why that happens and, and or, like, what makes those changes mm-hmm. um, in a way that I do, in fact, literally have written down in my notes, oh, no, Ikuhara read Cruel Optimism. <laughs> um, because it is, there is, like, a lot of elements of this, like, myth that, that people are told or are telling themselves that allow them to, like, paper over a lot of these other things, which is, like, not quite what that book is about, but I think relevant enough for... Purposes of us talking about this anime about frogs pulling uh, orbs out of people's butts, uh, which is, I think, uh, a way to, yeah, and there's, like, a lot of stuff in there that's about, uh, like, the Tokyo Olympics, Mm. right, that, like, show up in the skyline in in the Mm -hmm. background, Uh, and I do want to say some parts of this analysis, there are some, like, very, very good recaps uh, written by uh, this writer Emily Rand, who is now is an esports reporter, which is buck wild. But these are like pretty good essays about Sarasanmai. I, I found them quite interesting. Um, yeah, but that that this sort of like relationship to the future, I think, comes through in particularly the other characters we have not talked about yet. Yeah. Before we move on to the otters. <laughs> Um, everything you've just said has been like coalescing into like one sentence in my brain. Uh-huh. And it's just do it. Is the Wactamug wave? <laughs> no, that's what this show is. Leo Bosani. I hate this. Can the subaltern speak? Please, can the subaltern mm, speak? Please. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Uh, yes, that is basically what I was saying. That's basically yeah. what, what you said you were saying, like, whatever. Yeah, are you glad that I engaged uh, meaningfully with your critique? Yes, <laughs> that's, that's like, exactly what we come we have come to expect on this podcast. Mm-hmm. The high level of analysis. Uh, high, high 
helps hi, hi, her in yeah. houses. Uh, let's talk about these otter cops. Yeah. So what, what was your impression of them? Because I feel like they don't seem like they fit with the rest of the show at first. They fit in the same way as some other stuff that, like, they kind of remind me of, like, the, the shadow people in Utena. Like, mm-hmm. as, like, just this other thing that's going on that is sort of, like, related to what's happening. But they're also kind of, like, the, yeah, they're, like, the Sailor Moon villains of, like, or, like, the fucking, like, Power Rangers villains. Reader or Repulsa. Reader yeah, Repulsa. I knew you were yeah. Reader, I knew I mean, yeah, because they're Repulsa. literally, like, make my monster grow. Um, Jesus. Which, like, which do be happy. Which do be happy. <laughs> but, uh, no, but it, it is, again, it's, like, this um, very... <laughs> formulaic like i don't think it happens in the first episode it does not but in the second two and i imagine as it goes on um oh we haven't talked about this which is that like all of the other characters like there's no background characters in the show they're just like basically like um they look like like the bathroom bathroom signs except they all have like traditional haircuts yep like the some of them don't some of them don't okay and they just like float they just float and uh it looks very cool. It's like... It's really good. It's, I love it. I love it because it's like simultaneously something that would like probably save a lot of production resources. And also just like as an aesthetic choice, it looks really cool. It looks good. And I think is like related to the themes of the show. Right. Yeah. It actually reminds me of um this, uh, this Nintendo RPG that was like about... It's like Fire Emblem characters meet idols oh tokyo mirage sessions um where i think all the other characters are just like like rainbow silhouettes that's fun it is it's kind of fun you know um anyway i'm the protagonist of the world i can't find pictures but i'm pretty sure that that's what that game uh something that that game did uh yeah we're talking about those cops. Let's talk about those cops. So yeah, I, what I was saying is like, there's always a scene where it, the cops are in like a lecture hall and like, it's, it's in their police station. The police right? station, and the chief is like, "This is a guy who's shaving cats, and we gotta find him." Uh, and then the two otters are like, "We already hooked that little fish." <laughs> and then um, we're like Jesse and James. They sort of, or like Sailor Moon, the Sailor Moon villains from like the Dark Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they interrogate the person that they found, by which I mean they pull out a fucking gun. Uh, the they, otter gun? The otter gun and shoot them with like a huge like... It looks like a drum. Like I'm not really sure what that is. Um, and then they do their song, which is like very good. Their uh-huh. song fucking rips. Uh-huh. Um, their song is just like... Hey, yeah, you should be obsessed with things. This is good. You should do it. Uh, it's the fucking rules. Yeah. Be obsessed with, like, being naked in a box. Uh, don't examine it. Just, like, go with it. Vibe with it, man. Um, and then they do an utena when one of them pulls the other's heart out at the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Also, there's a platform. Ikuhara loves he platforms. He loves platforms. And he loves honestly, elevators. I understand. I totally get it, dude. I mean... Yeah, no, I love, like, a slowly rising platform that's going nowhere. Like, you have to love it. That's such a <laughs> metaphor. Um, and the the song and dance is very good. Um, it's about, you gotta extract the desires. 
Yeah. And then it always, it cuts to them just, like, doing elaborate poses in the middle of the pool. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just, like, them just, like, normally standing there, like, without any of these effects or anything. It's just, like, oh. It's really, really good. And so they, they turn people into Kappa zombies because they, the otters, like, are, like, power, the otter empire is, like, powered by desire energy or something. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I can, like, talk about how that stuff sort of gets resolved. If- right. Because, like, the weird thing, not the weird thing, but, like, something that the show is, like, seems to be getting at, at least early on, is, like, this tension between, like, not, like, good desires and bad ones, but, like... I know, I think that's... I mean, that is, I'm not quite, but it's, yeah, like... Yeah, that's, like, a little oversimplifying, but, like... Or just, like, the texture of it and, like... Because there's that thing where, like, the when the otters are shooting them, the bullet is, like, desire or love. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, framing that as, like, two different things almost. Like, these people, like, aren't experiencing, like, love for, like, cardboard boxes or whatever. They're just, like, fucking horny for it. And Well, I think it's it's partly that, right? But it's, like... I mean, I think it, it's like literally perversion. Yeah. If you see these men. <laughs> Call the pervert they, police. No, they are the pervert police. They literally are the oh pervert police. Oh my God, they are the pervert police. Damn, we finally found them. We finally called uh, the pervert police. But that, that because like, remember the cat guy, right? He, he once they extract his Shirokodama, we see his whole fucking deal, which is that his girlfriend dumped him so she could spend more time with her cats. And he goes around shaving the cats so that he can become... Some combination of a cat from the film Cats and mm-hmm. John Candy and Spaceballs. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what he looks like. He, is what he, looks, he looks like, like Barf. <laughs> so that so that his girlfriend will love him, mm-hmm. right? And that that this desire to be a cat is this weird, literally perversion of his desire to connect with his his girlfriend, right? Uh, that has taken on this object that's like not what it actually is supposed to be. It's like literally about a fetish yeah. in like the most traditional yes great meaning of that term uh and that that these desires are like selfish manifestations of the fact that the care these characters like are not able to right to use the like episode titles are not able to connect right. with people in like an honest and, and quote-unquote authentic way right yeah because it's all in their boxes and that's kind of interesting because i feel like that isn't That framing isn't one that I think is immensely popular in, broadly speaking, like, progressive or, like, sexually progressive spaces. Like, I think that could easily be read as regressive or, like, as, um, like trad kind of i don't Mm. think it's supposed to be and i don't get it that way but like i could see someone being like oh this show is saying that like having kinks is bad and it's just like well no ikuhara stop king shaming stop king shaming but like i feel like what it is is like i don't know one of my frustrations with um with like sex positivity is that sex is bad well sex is bad first of all and fake and it's not real but like i think for a very good reason it doesn't necessarily encourage introspection about desire um be and i think the reason for that is that like so many 
so many people's desires have been pathologized and like have been like people have been like oh well what's the cause of this why do people want this fucked up thing that no one should possibly want why do people want to be with people with the same sex why do people want this or this or this so understandably people are has are like don't trust that kind of talk at the same time though i feel like going in the other direction and being like well this is what i want and i refuse to examine that further and i'm just going to chase this my whole life is like not super constructive as like in terms of like human growth and i'm not saying that like the end result of that introspection should be like oh i no longer want this thing but like things don't just happen for no reason right you don't just like want different things for like no reason like there's there is like something you can possibly like learn something about yourself by being like oh why do i want this thing or like what does this mean to me and that to me is sort of what this show is more about Mm. of like well like why am i obsessed with this like really specific niche thing why do i draw mickey mouse hands on deviant art exclusively and like is there something that you want to want to tell us no but that's what i think of when i think of the show it's just like you know people who are obsessed with like one really specific thing and like that's their thing yeah um and it's just like do you think that is like oh is this helping you connect with other people is this actually making you happy or are you sort of just like obsessed with it in a way that is just like has become an object unto itself yeah and and a thing that like intentionally as with kazuki's like costuming literally makes it harder to connect with people because you're doing it in this way that is mediated um, in a fashion that I think you could read as also being like the internet man makes it harder to connect, which I don't think is like quite what the show is saying. But again, it's sort of like if you wanted to read it slightly uncharitably, I think that you could make that reading. But also I think, uh, you know, related to, to what you were saying, like I don't even think it's just about not, I think part of it is about not examining your desires, but also I think it is about situating those desires in a way that is fundamentally ethical and compassionate, Yeah, which is to say that like respects other people. Right. Because the otters thing, I feel like it's just like, now go for a man. Yes. Like it, don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, just like the, fucking take it to the extreme. The otter, the otter is the friend who's just like, when you're, you're drunk is just like, bro, you should text her. Bro, just, like, fucking do it, dude. Just do it. Just fucking do it, bro. Just do it. I mean, that's what the song is about. Yeah, It's just, like, yeah, just, like, embrace it. Um, Just, like, embrace the dissolution of the self by just, and, like, disconnection from others by just funneling all of your energy into this thing. Uh, And you know what this reminds me of, actually? What's that? Is, is, uh, obviously not quite exactly the same way, but I think you probably could read this in, in conversation um with Madoka hmm. uh, in some ways, right? Because um, you know, you have what is, I am so embarrassed that I forget this character's name. Uh because it's my literally my favorite character on the show. Uh Sayaka. Right? That Sayaka makes this wish. Uh-huh. Right. For to, the the piano boy yes. to get better. And there's literally a conversation about like, is that actually what you want? Or, like, what type of connection do you want with this person? And because she is not honest about that, it has, like, very disastrous consequences. 
um, in a way that feels like a seed of how all the characters relate to each other in Sarazan Mai, mm. uh, which is that you like sort of are doing things that you want, and we sort of know what everyone's motivations are, but like I don't think they are a hundred percent honest with themselves. Mm. Um, uh, and a lot of the show, I think, is about stripping that away. Desire causes suffering. That's right, everybody. We are nihilists now. No, that's not right. That's Buddhism. Yeah. That's not nihilism. <laughs> nihilism would just be like, yeah, man, fucking go Yeah, for no, it. you're right. Well, that's the type of nihilism. Yeah. But yes, no, it, that's true. They're the type to piss on a rug versus like, you know, other... Cut off, cut off someone's toe and mail, you know, send yeah. it in the mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I do... I think that the the cops is like the place that I do want to talk a little bit spoilery. Sure. Uh, it's been a while since I watched the later episodes, but I think this, and again, this is like coming from one of the essays that Emily Rand wrote about the show, but I think it's a really, really good reading of what, or at least part of what Ikuhara is saying with them. So you basically learn later on in the show uh, that Mabu and Rio used to be Kappa's who were like Kepi's assistants, basically. And, uh, in, you know, there's like a crisis that happens in which Mabu is like shot trying to protect Rio, I believe. Uh, and that the otters or the, the otter like saves him quote unquote, by giving him this like mechanical heart that you see in that, that Mm -hmm. sequence. Mm -hmm. And so Rio is under the belief that Mabu is dead and that this is like a weird robot version of him and that he needs to work for the otters in order to like be given his quote unquote real mm-hmm. boyfriend back. Mm-hmm. And Mabu makes this agreement when he, he gets the mechanical heart that he cannot express his feelings for, for Rio. And if he does, mm. he'll, he'll die. Um, and so their dynamic over the course of the show increasingly is just like them fighting all the time and like, Rio being resentful that Mabu is like, you're not like the person you're like, literally he's like, you're not the person I married. Uh-huh. Uh, and Mabu like, is like, I can't express my feelings for you because otherwise I'll literally die. Uh, and that, that the age of those characters. And this is the thing that, that, that Rand says specifically that I think is really was helpful for me is that the age of those characters in comparison to the age of the protagonists is about changing attitudes toward like basically what it means to to live oh. authentically, quote unquote, yeah. as a, a a like queer person, right? Um, right. And so, like in the same way, because you're this is also I and mean, you haven't seen it, but that's what Yurikuma Arashi is about, okay. right? It's about like sort of societal attitudes toward uh, like Yuri and and how people feel about it. And what is expected of, of, you know, people who are, like, interested in Yuri and, and what it means for your life. Uh, and that Sarazanmai creates a similar, I think, understanding of, like, a historicized understanding of, of queerness for, like, Yaoi. Mm. And for, for specifically, like, gay men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, what's that look like? And how does it change, like, the degree to which these people are, like, able to actually live authentically? Uh, and you can sort of imagine, you know, the, it, 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 like, having the same feelings 
that Enta does at various points during history being like varying levels of complicated, mm-hmm. right? And that that putting aside all the other shit that is incredibly bad um, in the world, probably we are living in a time in which it is like relatively e- it is easier than it would have otherwise been to like be honest about those feelings and mm-hmm. and like figure out a way to be a person who has them. Um, but that also that's not guaranteed, right? I don't know. I think that's really interesting. I think it like yeah. really helps, uh, like think about the 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 cops and like what they they you know, like represent. Mm-hmm. Also, obviously, they are bastards, um, but they weren't always cops, and then maybe they won't be cops later. But while they're cops, they they are bastards, of course. Um, yeah, I just think that that's super interesting. I don't. Is there anything else that we we want to get through in the show? Oh, what else? Um. Oh, there's also a manga that, that came out before the show that's about Mabu and Ryo. Oh, that's like, I heard about that. Yeah. yeah, that's like just like about their sort of like really chill domestic life in which Sarah, the idol, is like their daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's cool. I... Yeah, I like all of like the transformation stuff of like the world too when they're fighting the Kappa zombies and like all the signs in the world like spin around mm-hmm. and like become like they I think just say like desire or something and they like they turn red and everything and then there's like the otter app that is like on everyone's yep. phones that's fucking like um oh do you like this? Do you like fucking being on social media? Uh the dangers of posting about otters. This is about the dangers. The so the signs. Most of the signs just have like a, a character for like ah, like the a the sound. Oh. Uh, and I think sometimes it says desire, but the the sort of like recurring character that appears on all the signs is just like a. Why? I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I think it's related. Like we we would have to go. I think like a lot deeper into sort of the meaning of the title of the show because it's like there are like a couple different meanings. And the the symbols of, you know, in, like, some of the sequences, how there's, like, a Venn diagram with the three circles, like, what that's saying, and the mm. way that, that it, you know, has, like, the character spinning around on the plates on top of their heads uh-huh. that create the, like, little Wi-Fi symbol that's like, yeah. now you're all connected. Right. Is this what you wanted? Ah, shit. Um, me, me reaping. Great. Love <laughs> it. Love to connect with people. Me sow- sowing and well, experiencing being known. Oh. Oh, no, I guess no, you know you're right. The other way, right. yeah. Uh, sewing is great. Reaping fucking sucks. Um, fuck. Shit, fuck. Uh, what was I gonna... Oh, there's, like, this other video gamey part to it, to me, which is, like, the dishes that they get that Grant wishes. Mm-hmm. The dishes Grant wishes. The wish dishes. Uh, like, the first one they get is, like, a gold dish, and it's just like, oh, I could wish for a year's worth of, like, cucumber roll. And, like, the dish immediately breaks, and, like, a huge fucking cucumber roll just, like, drops down in front of him. And it's like... You idiot. You fucking utter... You utter, utter. fool. Um, that comes up later. Yeah. And it's, like, not even, like, oh, you open your fridge every day and there's cucumber rolls. It's just, like, one big fucking one that's gonna rot immediately. Uh, and then, like, when they get more dishes, Kepi's like, oh, actually, those are silver ones. You need to collect five to get a wish. And it's like, oh, that's a video game. Um, also, another connection, I think, to um, to Madoka. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, the collecting things. And well, not just the collecting things, but specifically the uses the, of the wishes. The wishes, yeah. And the, you fucking monkey's paw idiot, Enta. You absolute fool. It's not even monkey's paw. It's just like you made a bad wish. Yeah. It's just like you did a dumb thing. Uh, and then, yeah, they have to get like five to make a new wish. But Toei's like, I'm going to take them all to make a wish for my brother to help him waterboard better. And then Kazuki's like, I want the... You're right. And and then it sort of like creates this conflict between tension, them yeah. and, and Tenshin Muyo. Um, yeah. And that, that, that aspect of it, I think, is like... Uh, I and mean, yeah, you, you're watching Futurama. You know, you know that uh, the episode um, where the robot devil says to Bender, uh, "Are you sure there's nothing I can tempt you with?" And Bender says, "Oh yeah, I forgot you can tempt me with things that I want." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like very much. I think the vibe of this, where they're like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that there's stuff that we mm-hmm. want, and if you make it slightly harder for us to get it, like we will fight each other uh, in a way that sort of increases the the interpersonal drama." Um, yeah, and, and that obviously then creates sort of another, like, bottleneck almost for, like, how people are fulfilling their desires and in what way, and how they are experiencing those connections with the people that their wishes are for. I thought of another, um, title for this episode, if we did, if we did episode titles. We could start doing episode titles. The first one would obviously be, is the Wacom McGuave, but then also, I want to connect, but, with two T's. Did you have that written down? It's 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 bolded in my notes. Because <laughs> that's like the format that's, of every episode. It's like, I want to connect, but I don't want the mortifying ordeal of being known. Um, I want to connect, but. That's the leakage. Connect, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, it, and it's like, I don't know. It's interesting with Ikuhara, so much of this stuff sounds so dumb when you say it out loud uh-huh. when you're like oh this show is about wanting to connect with people or this show is about sort of knowing what you want and not quite being able to get it this is about you know and it's like when you say all that stuff it just sounds so banal uh but i think that he does a really good job of stacking all of these layers of artifice and just like weird shit and like we were talking about earlier these sort of like recurring motifs in a way that does get you back to those truths and, and themes in a way that is not quite, I think, as trite as they mm-hmm. otherwise would be. And that's like one of my, I don't know, I, that's like one of my favorite things about Yukihara. Also, he's very funny. That's yeah. another thing. He's like very funny, and I feel like if you are making a thing about this kind of material, you could imagine a lot of people doing it in a way that's very serious, that just sort of like, it's so sad. I have a crush on my friend, but I don't want to admit it. And instead, Ikuhara, like, creates this scene where Kazuki is, like, lying on a bench wearing his his idol costume, and Enta, like, kisses him while he's asleep, and it's, like, very funny, but also fucked up. Uh, and I appreciate that. More things that are both. Yeah. Are, uh, is there anything else that we want to we wanna get you in Sarazanmai? I feel like that's about it. I really do want to watch the rest of this. There's only 11 episodes, right? There are only 11 episodes. We, we will see if that happens. Well, I feel like before next week, we can at least watch the next episode of uh, Extra Olympia Keyclose, which finally That's true. Out. Yeah, which we have been, been holding on to that sweet, sweet five minutes. Uh, I also have another show that we can add to our longer list, or two shows, actually, that I have finished, uh, including Vinland Saga, which I am excited for us to watch at some mm. point. The sad Viking boys. 
Um, great. Let's move to the the uh, end segment of the show. Should we? I, I kind of like the idea of us trusting uh, the random word generator going forward. Okay. That was like a fun, I think that was a fun thing. Yeah. What was the one last time? It was relationship. relationship? Yeah. Okay. Um, let me. Okay. Yeah, okay. Up. You do it. You do I'll it. bring it up. Um, one random word. Yeah. One random word. And then that will give us like maybe one or two options. Okay. Then. The random word today is heal. H-E-A-L. H-E-A-L. Hmm. I mean, if you have something really good for H-E-E-L. That, I mean, if we did that, we would have to watch a wrestling anime. Oh, yeah. Which we could do, but honestly, I've tried watching some wrestling anime and have not loved it. I mean, if we're ever going to do a wrestling anime, we should do um, Ultimate Muscle or whatever it's actually called. Okay. Yeah, I tried to watch, like, the recent Tiger Mask series and bounced off after a few Mm. episodes. Heal. Hmm. Cells at work. Yeah. Let's okay. Let's let's either do cells at work or the original Full Metal Alchemist. I think those both like r- relate in sort of like different ways. Hmm. Yeah, I'm good with either. Damn, I'm asking you to pick. Wait, does the I'm original, giving you the two options? Does the original FMA have? Because I've watched a lot of Brotherhood. Brotherhood yeah. So I kind of already know a lot of what that series... Let's do Cells at Work. All right, we're doing Cells at Work. This will be our first time in a while doing a show that I don't like. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're coming out hot on the gate on this one. I've watched... I will finish the season. I've watched like five or six episodes of Cells at Work, and I don't like it. Uh, So this is going to be a fun episode. Yeah, it's going to be a fun episode. We're going to have a good time with it. I'm going to spend a lot of time being like, damn, what if this body looked cool? Mm. What if it was more of a uh, a fucking that movie with Bill Murray and he eats the bad egg? Ah, uh, yes, more of an Osmosis Jones. Yeah. Yes. What if what if the what if Ikuhara made a show that took place entirely in somebody's butt? Hi, I'm the Shiro Kodama. Or sorry, hello, I'm your Shiro Kodama. I gotta go. Please pull me out. My mom says I gotta go. <laughs> Great. Next week, we will be watching Cells at Work, uh, uh, which you can find on Netflix. Sarazan Mai, we should have mentioned earlier, you can find on Crunchyroll. Um, and uh, anything else we we want to wanna say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go to fanbyte.com slash podcasts for more different shows about other kinds of things. Um, you can follow Fanbyte on Twitter at Fanbyte Media. Eric is at Eric Thurm. I'm at Merritt K. And uh, should we should we make a plug for people to go to their local Chaz if they have one? Yeah, go to the Chaz. Go to the Chaz. I mean, man. it's kind of funny to me that the New York one also ended up being called Chaz because yes. it's at City Hall. Like, just totally by coincidence, um, New York, as of this episode, also has a um, an autonomous zone. A cool hip anime zone. A cool hip anime zone. Uh, that's at City that's Hall. That's our apartment. Oh. Uh, that's our what? That's our apartment. Yeah. The cool hip anime zone. We're the Chaz. Yeah. Cool hip anime zone. <laughs> Damn. That would have also been a good name for a podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, get out there, guys, if you can. And, um, and 
be a part of something. It feels good. And just like the cell, much like the cell. Oh, yeah, connect with something. Connect. Yeah. Trust me. Nice. Uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Until next time. Oh wait. Oh no. Speaking of the shadow realm. Oh, okay. I'm, uh, I think we're going to be entering the shadow realm. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, I don't feel like we can't. We have to, like, do it first before we, we yeah. tease this project. I think we can, we can talk about, we can just say, you know, we, we will see you in the shadow realm. Yes. Maybe sooner than. Turn around. Turn around. We're, we're right behind here. You. We were there the whole time. We've, we've pulled you into our dual arena. God, it's something we're also gonna have to make someone watch Yu-Gi-Oh. Think about that. Oh, Do you ever think about that? Oh, 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 oh. to have to talk about all the parts of the manga where he like fucking kills people. Where he just kills guys. <laughs> yeah. Pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Uh, God. Yeah, we didn't even have time to, to do a dumb, unrelated segment about Isekai Transporter. Well, maybe we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about that next week because that's very important. Uh, great. So until next time, everybody. See you in the shadow.